Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Veteran wrestler returns to work for the WWE. Kenny Omega reportedly dealing with injuries, and I take you through last night's Friday Night Wars. I'm Jaden Becker, and welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast. Veteran wrestler returns to work for the WWE. Pro wrestler Sean Devari has returned as a producer. Devari was backstage for last night's SmackDown. According to PW Insider, Devari returning to work for WWE is very interesting as he just worked with uh, NWA and a pay-per-view taping as one of the producers uh, previously last week. Devari previously worked as a WWE producer hired in January 2019 but was released in 2020 along with other budget cuts due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Since then, he's wrestled for some matches in Impact Wrestling and MLB. W among other companies. Kenny Omega reportedly dealing with injuries. Omega is said to be hurting pretty badly right now, according to Wrestling Observer Newsletter. In addition to a stomach virus from the past week, Omega is suffering from a deep bone bruise near his tailbone, an athletic hernia, and normal wear and tear on his body and his knees. Omega has sliced up his hand, needing seven stitches to close the wound when delivering a belt shot to Pac in the Double or Nothing main event on May 30th. Remember, he used every belt that he had to attack Pac and ended up actually injuring himself there. I believe it might have been with the AEW championship given that it's pretty sharp, that belt. Omega has a huge slate of matches ahead of him, defending the AEW World Championship, the Impact World Championship, and the AAA Mega Championship. There's no word on Omega plans to take any time off to deal with his nagging injuries, but I'll keep you up to date with it. And I don't think he will be taking any time off given that he has the World Championship for uh, two, three separate companies, you know? So, it's going to be a tough ride for him to try to stop right now, especially if he's trying to look to gain more championships, which seems to be uh, a, a no from this point. He doesn't look like he's going to be going for any more championships, especially if his injuries keep on, keep on bothering him. And with Omega, he, he's even talked about might, might be hanging it up soon, which would be very, very surprising and very upsetting for a lot of wrestling fans if Omega decided to hang it up. All right, we're going to get into the Friday Night Wars, Friday Night SmackDown with the WWE, and AEW Friday Night Dynamite, uh, which won't be on Friday night for much longer. I think next week will be on Friday night, and the week after will be on Saturday, uh, which will be live, that one on Saturday. So, uh, going to stick with the Friday Night uh, Wars theme just for a little bit. It keeps up the excitement, and, uh, and AEW's ratings are down, so might as well give them some excitement as well. You know, I'll talk about AEW in the second half of the show. But right now, let's talk about some WWE Friday Night SmackDown. Smackdown with Jimmy Uso opening the show. Jimmy says that they got robbed last week, the Usos did, on the episode of Smackdown where they could not win the both matches that they had for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The opening of the show uh, obviously didn't go their way when uh, a shoulder up from Jay Uso was not seen by the referee, and then in the main event, Roman Reigns entered uh, and caused the disqualification. Jimmy blames Roman Reigns, of course, saying that it was on purpose and that he is jealous, says he's only going to do something uh, tonight that he won't regret. Uh, which might be him uh, going to plan on attack of uh, Roman Reigns possibly, but we'll see later on the, in the episode of SmackDown what does go down. Big E and Kevin Owens team up to take on Apollo Crews and Sami Zayn. KO and Zayn brawl on the outside early. Big E enters on a hot tag, slamming Crews. Big E goes for a spear to the outside, but fails landing on the outside. Owens in on a hot tag. 
crushing Zane with a cannonball to the outside. Chaos ensues to stunner to Zane by Kevin Owens for a KO and Big E victory. Next week, Cruz on the microphone says he wants a rematch, but this time with Commander Aziz as his partner to take on Big E and Kevin Owens instead of Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn obviously upset because of that, and he ends up taking the Nigerian nail uh, to the throat by Commander Aziz. So... But poor, poor Sami Zayn, but he he takes that uh, he takes that shot there, and next week we have a match set up already. I'm really liking this uh, Intercontinental Championship picture. I feel like we have a really good core group of guys on SmackDown to really look forward to every week. So uh, I, I enjoy that core mid card. It doesn't really need anything more. Doesn't need any less. That core grouping there, I think a lot of wrestling fans are very, very excited about. Moving on to our next match, Liv Morgan versus Carmella. Cameraman falls over Liv Morgan on the outside. Absolutely hilarious, and McAfee plays it off very well. And so does Michael Cole talking about, oh, Carmella uh, distracted the cameraman and and has him going head over heels and stuff like that. So I thought that was nice. Carmella mostly in control until caught up in the ropes. Oblivion from Liv Morgan for her to pick up the win. Huge win from Morgan. Huge win. And uh, Carmella demands to be called the most beautiful woman in WWE after the match. And her music plays after the match as well. Even though Liv Morgan did get the victory. Uh, I'm fine with that. Liv Morgan gets the win. She gets the, the ball rolling in a good direction. Neither of these two women are in title contention at this point. But Liv Morgan could find her way there if something goes in her direction. And notice how they're not feuding over a championship. They're feuding with each other. And uh, I can take that any day. I wish there was a little bit more depth to this feud here. Right, right now they're just going at each other week after week. But I, I want to see a little bit more here. I want to see a little bit more with Liv Morgan and Carmella. And I'm glad they're actually going to use Liv Morgan here because, uh, you know, they, they failed to use her in the past. Moving on to our next segment, Dig Ding Dong Hello. Make sure I say that right. Ding Dong Hello. Uh, hosted by Bailey and with a guest, a special guest, Seth Rollins. Rollins gives huge praise to Bailey, uh, citing her mind games, both hysterically laughing after the clips of past success, uh, looking at, of uh, Seth Rollins attacking Cesaro and looking at the mind games Bailey played on Bianca Belair, I believe, last week with all of her, her with her face plastered all over all the Thunderdome screams around Bianca Belair. The bell rings on the Ding Dong Hello set, and Cesaro is at the door, opens the door, uh, Seth Rollins does, and Cesaro attacks, ripping off the drip suit and uh, destroying the set. Bailey is very, very sad, and deservingly so, because Cesaro absolutely destroyed the set, trying to, and Bailey trying to clean up uh, the set afterwards. She's like, that's my set, man. <laughs> that's my set. That's my show. And, and not in, in an angry way, but like in a sad way, which made me sad. I was like, yeah, you know, it, it is kind of her show. Bianca Belair enters, and instead of going to attack Bailey, she stands at the top of the entrance lamp and gives Bailey a taste of her own medicine, laughing directly in her face sort of felt bad for bailey here and even though that's probably not the reaction the creative wanted that's the kind of reaction i kind of gave i felt bad for bailey there that's her set that's her show she finally got to have it in 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 ring once again we haven't seen her have it in ring in quite some time and and she gets her set destroyed that that was messed up you know no fault of her of her you know of her own and it wasn't even by bianca belair the one destroying the set it was cesaro and seth rollins so it was out of her control and uh, usually when a set gets destroyed like that it's it's with the doing of the actual host so it would be jericho 
destroying his own set. It would be Roddy Roddy Piper or Jake the Snake, or I'm just going back in, in my head of, of previous host segments that had uh, sets and stuff like that. It would be something like that. So usually it would be the host to be the one to do it, to lay the most impact down on it. But no, uh, it was it was the two guests, if you will, the one guest and the one rival making his return. Moving on to our next match, Montez Ford versus Chad Gable. Uh, this match was made earlier in the night as Chad Gable apo- approached the Street Profits, wanting a one-on-one matchup and letting them know that Otis is still mad after last week. Montez Ford accepts the challenge, and we get a pretty good matchup here. Chain wrestling early on, trading moves. Ford connects with a dive to the outside off the apron. Gable, really impressive here, really impressive. Finally able to see what Gable can do, and finally able to show off some of his stuff we haven't seen in a long, long time from from Shorty G back in the day, and now Chad Gable. We haven't really been able to see it at all. Uh, Even though... This match is progressing very well. Otis enters and attacks Dawkins from behind backstage. Gable had to kick out of a frog splash because Otis was late to break up the pin. I don't think... uh, They they sort of stalled a little bit uh, with the pin and the referee actually making the count. There's a stall there because Otis, I guess, was hustling his way down the ramp. And he can only go as fast as, as he can. Otis destroys Ford with a slightly shaved face. It wasn't completely shaved. There was some stubble there. I didn't notice that, so it wasn't clean, clean. But Otis, no more beard, shaved face. And uh, finally, a a new uh, attitude for Otis that I can get behind. I feel like Otis is always up in the air. It was hard to cheer for him because of his association with Chad Gable and what he was doing in ring. But it was also hard to boo him because he had the same look, the similar look that we knew from him in the past. Now, we finally, finally get Otis with a brand new attitude, brand new look, brand new face, shaving off that beard, really making him look like... Like a true heel now, uh, and, and you know similar hair, but that that lack of beard really does it for me. He gets away from the trucker stuff from the past, the heavy machinery stuff from the past, uh, with him and Tucker. It gets away from that, and now it moves him closer towards Chad Gable, and that whole mindset I think is really, really going to work well for Otis moving forward. I'm loving this feud as well between the Street Profits and the Alpha Academy. Once again, not for a title, just a feud between two tag teams. That's exactly what I want to see. I would love to see a match between the Street Profits and Chad Gable at Hell in a Cell. Not in, in a Hell in a Cell, but maybe to open the show, have a really high-octane match. We already saw what Ford and... And Gable could do together. Now, let's see Otis with a brand new attitude. And Dawkins go one-on-one also in that type of tag team match up there. This could be great. I could really think they could really develop something off of this. And boost, in my mind, boost Alpha Academy into the into the actual tag team, uh, SmackDown tag team championship picture in the correct way. And not just throwing them in there right away and just giving them a tag team match out of nowhere. Let's build it up the right way for WWE, which I haven't done in a long time. All right, moving on to our next match, Shinsuke Nakamura versus King Corbin. And in my notes here, I wrote, again? Oh, my goodness, again? Well, right now, uh, it's they, they've done this match. This is now the fourth time they're doing this match. And it's all gone down in different ways, but all has similar endings as well. So Boog's distracting uh, early on by shredding on the guitar. A deep six by Corbin early to turn the tide in his own favor. Nakamura rolls up Corbin, similar to last week. And Corbin still tries to take the crown back, but Nakamura sticks, uh, steals it back once again. So Battle of the Crown is going to be next week as they both are at two apiece. And uh, might as well just, just you know, 
put yeah, as as I mentioned and as they they're gonna do put the put the crown on the line if you're treating it like this good back and forth wins and someone's always trying to get the crown from one another might as well make it like a I wouldn't call it a title but make it a prop that you could actually fight over and fight for so it, which pretty much is it's the King of the Rings title and the King of the Ring crown so I feel like you really should go in that direction if Corbin loses here does he lose his King moniker does he lose his king status is he are we going back to baron corbin as the name is it just going to be corbin from here on out which would be terrible give him his first name back i think uh, pat mcafee even accidentally said baron on commentary today but either way oh yesterday but either way um nakamura and uh, corbin gonna have one more match and hopefully that's the last one and uh, actually, I wish they would save it for Hell in a Cell. Let's see if you're going to build it up like this. All right, you're going to get finally give me the blow-off match. Save it for Hell in a Cell. And next week's going to be the go-home show, so we'll see how it goes. Roman Reigns heads for the Usos' locker room. Uh, there were some uh, altercations previously in the night. Jimmy Uso saying that he's not going to go to Roman Reigns. If Roman Reigns wants to see him. He's going to have to come to me. So Roman Reigns says, all right, I'll do that on my time. And he does. He ends up going to the Usos' locker room. Jimmy Uso says that Roman will be a Hall of Famer one day, but he will go down as a spoiled B-word. Uh, Jimmy Uso, uh, excuse me, Jay Uso, stuck in the middle, outburst and leaves. Reigns turns it on to Jimmy, saying that he's going to waste Jay's elevation from the past year, and he's going to hurt the family. Jimmy seems to agree here, uh, and I wouldn't say that he completely obeys Roman Reigns, but Roman Reigns go does go tell Jimmy to go fix his brother, and Jimmy does. Roman Reigns does have a good talking with Jimmy Uso, saying that who was the first one to come out, and it was Jimmy Uso. So it was a really, really great dynamic. Uh, I'm loving everything Roman Reigns has been doing lately. I really think it's an absolutely fantastic uh, type of, of storytelling from Roman Reigns, the Uso family, Paul Heyman, and everything Roman Reigns seems to touch turns to gold. Rey Mysterio calls out Roman Reigns. This is what's going to end the show here. So technically the main event was Nakamura versus King Corbin. Reigns enters. Reigns, acknowledging, Reigns does acknowledge Roman Reigns, but as a rat bastard. Uh, he wants to fight in honor of his son inside of a hell in a cell. Reigns acknowledges Ray, and magically a kendo stick appears, and Ray attacks. As Reigns ooh and uh, prepares to attack Rey Mysterio for the... Uh, the kendo stick attack, Dominic attacks with his own kendo stick. And then in the most impressive spot that I've seen in quite some time on SmackDown, Dominic Mysterio gets lifted up for a powerbomb and is not slammed in the middle of the ring. Oh, no. He is sent over the top rope and out onto the floor on the outside from the center of the ring, pretty much. He is absolutely launched. Dominic Mysterio. The camera angles do cut off his landing, so you don't see exactly where he landed, so we can only presume that he landed on a crash mat or something like that, which is obviously safe and what you want to see. But the visual, the visual, you know me, I talk about visuals all the time. The visual of Dominic Mysterio being launched, absolutely launched over the top rope and onto the outside. Wow, 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 wow. So, we can presume it's going to be Roman Reigns versus Rey Mysterio for the Universal Championship at Hell in a Cell. We can assume that Roman Reigns is going to retain. I have no problem in that either. But 
I was really hoping to see Jimmy Uso versus Roman Reigns at Hell in a Cell to really line up the parallels between the last Hell in a Cell match that Roman Reigns had, which was against Jey Uso. And so we could link that all together. I thought that would have been great. I think they're going to go possibly in a different direction here. We might see a ladder match at Money in the Bank between Jimmy Uso and Roman Reigns. If they still do decide to go down that route, we might not even see a match against Jimmy Uso at all if he just fall, falls into line in general. But I do think we need to see a Roman Reigns-Jimmy Uso match at a pay-per-view. I think WWE might be making the smart move here by not putting it in Hell in a Cell because, yes... We are putting parallels down there, and it would be great storytelling to tell those parallels, but I think they want to tell a different story than they told with Jey Uso, because then, what was the whole point of making Jey Uso an individual? We saw Jey Uso become an individual throughout his whole time with Roman Reigns while Jimmy Uso was on the shelf hurt. What would have been the reason to now tell the same exact story you told with Jey Uso to tell with Jimmy Uso? That I feel like you're not making individuals there. If anything, you're making it worse. And now you're going to get confused once again when you talk about the Hell in a Cell matches. You're going to make it a little bit confusing there. And if anything, it'll make the whole problem worse by having those two similar matches. Yes, would have been fun storytelling, sure. If they weren't identical twins, then probably would have been able to get away with it. But I think... For the benefit of Jey Uso, who did have his own Hell in a Cell match and did have his own story, let a different story be told with Jimmy Uso, which it already has been. Let a different story be told, save it for another pay-per-view, save it for the next one, Money in the Bank. Hey, you can do a ladder match and I'll be fine with that. Or, even better yet, have Jimmy Uso win the Money in the Bank briefcase and then have him some more dissension there as there's always the opportunity that Jimmy Uso could cash in. And when he does, he's unsuccessful and then it breaks up the family. That could work out really, really, really well. I think that could be a really smart move for them to go. But either way, I'll be fine seeing what happens next. And I'm fine. Uh, Roman Reigns, Rey Mysterio, get get excited for a great match at Hell in a Cell. And get excited for Rey Mysterio to take some, some good bumps here. I, I think we could really see some great stuff. Really, really, really great stuff. So... I'm excited, and you should be too. For my final grade for this episode of Friday Night SmackDown, you're going to have to wait until after the break and I review the episode of AEW Friday Night Dynamite. Let's compare the two head-to-head as we've been doing for the past few weeks. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on June 12, 2005, WWE presented ECW One Night Stand from the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. A pay-per-view that had no storylines coming into it, a fantastic walk down memory lane for ECW with appearances from many ECW alum. If you haven't gone back and watched that in a good amount of time, go back and watch it. And now it's more timely than ever since it's on this day. Go back and watch it. And really, they did a fantastic job, so much so that they did it again a year later. I really think that... Uh, they're never going to do something like this again, given that a lot of the people are either in AEW or in other companies, either in Impact, AEW, or find their way in different spots. I, I think this is a, a good showing. ECW and WWE never going to... I don't think that maybe years and years and years from now, uh, we could see something again, but I really ever... I doubt we'll ever see it. It was a good walk down memory lane, and uh, definitely 2006 had a little bit more impact on it, given the WWE Championship involvement, but 2005, this one... Uh, was, was a great walk down memory lane. Also, on this day in pro wrestling history, on June 12, 2014, WWE released a dozen superstars, including the likes of Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, Evan Bourne, Kurt Hawkins, and Theodore Long, a day that was dubbed back then uh, Black Thursday. 
And that has now been overshadowed with plenty of other black quote-unquote release days in recent years with much dire consequences. Remember Black Wednesday in 2020 in the, the height of a global pandemic, the WWE released in a plethora of superstars. I also like to point out the names that I mentioned have had their careers rejuvenated and they found and a few of them even found their way back to the WWE. McIntyre and Mahal both found their way to the WWE Championship and they're both holders for a decent amount of time in their returns. Drew McIntyre even at the moment, you know, he's going continuing to go for the WWE Championship in the face of Monday Night Raw. He has made a resurgence. So let it be known, because now we've gone through a few months now where it's been a a group of releases, group of releases, group of releases for the past few months. Let it be known that not all is lost when you're wished the best in your future endeavors. Not all is lost. You can always find your way back to the WWE, even with some time away. Drew McIntyre grew himself with his time away as Drew Galloway as himself. And he was able to make a career resurgence out of it. And same thing with Jinder Mahal, Evan Bourne, uh, and now as Matt Seidel, has had a great match with Kenny Omega. Uh, you look at Kerr Hawkins uh, doing great things, uh, and now as Brian Myers doing great things in in uh, Impact Wrestling. And uh, fantastic, sometimes it can work out in a fantastic way for yourself if, if you continue to work at it. But just because you get that that note saying that you're gone doesn't mean it's the end of an end of you forever you know sometimes it may be but not always not always keep that in mind and i think as fans we need to keep that in mind as well because there could always be a second chapter always 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 all right let's talk about some AEW dynamite on friday friday night dynamite it rolls off the tongue great the show opens with christian cage versus angelico back and forth early on angelico finds an advantage after working the arm of cage uh, and I noticed at this point in the show, right at the jump, the old stage is back for AEW. I believe these episodes going forward are pre-recorded and won't be live until the Saturday. Possibly, it's either the Saturday episode of Dynamite, where because they are selling tickets to it, the, where uh, Jungle Boy takes on Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship, or if that's not live. It won't be until AEW makes their way to Miami, which definitely will be live. So it's either one of those two, and I think I think the the Jungle Boy one is is uh, gonna be gonna be live with uh, Omega. Uh, getting back into the match, Cage finds a rhythm and lands a diving headbutt. Not safe, and commentary pretty much uh, acknowledges that as a whole, and it even acknowledges its past in a bit. Uh, Jim Ross saying that if that move was banned, he wouldn't be against it, and uh, pretty much just mentioning Ben Wall. They, they don't say his name or anything like that, but acknowledge its whole past, and uh, if you're an AEW fan and if you're a pro wrestling fan, you know about Benoit and his history of using that move and that whole connection there. Cage connects with the kill switch to win the match. Jack Evans attacks as a distraction, allowing Matt Hardy to connect with the twist of fate. And Jungle Boy saves Christian Cage after the match. Great storytelling with Matt Hardy and Christian Cage. I talked about this last week. I can't wait. Now, this is the type of match I want to see for Christian Cage against Matt Hardy. That's fine. No reason for him to be going after the AEW World Championship. No reason at all in any way, shape, or form should Christian Cage be going after Kenny Omega. I could see him going for the TNT Championship. No problem in that. And having a good feud with Miro. That could be fun. But no reason for him to go for the AEW World Championship. And for Christian Cage to be going against Matt Hardy for his first real feud... In AEW, 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sign me up for that. Two relatively older guys that have WWE history, both uh, considered the 1B next to their tag team partners and Jeff Hardy and, and Edge back in the WWE. You know, a ton of parallels, and you could mix those two together. Christian Cage picks up good wins over Matt Hardy and do it in a pay-per-view setting. All for that. Sign me up for that. But don't sign me up for a Christian Cage Kenny Omega main event. I don't want to see that. That That's the opposite of what I want to see. Now, moving on to our next segment. Cody Rhodes with a huge ana- announcement. Brock Anderson. Yes, Brock Anderson, Arn Anderson's son, will be competing in a match against QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo next week. And uh, Cody Rhodes with a fantastic quote here uh, that there's an ungodly standard for our dads that, that our dads have set for us going forward. Cody Rhodes with uh, Dusty Rhodes and Brock Anderson with Arn Anderson. Great quote. Great quote. Because uh, it, it's true. You know, <laughs> talking about some of the greatest of all time. You know, talking about a Four Horsemen member and the American Dream. So it, <laughs> it, that that's a bar that it's really, really tough to reach. But I think Cody Rhodes has definitely done his father great service and great justice and uh, we can see what brock anderson is going to do qt marshall enters and wants a strap match when they go to miami qt marshall versus cody rhodes in a strap match that's what he wants marshall whips arn anderson with a belt brock anderson flips out and has to be restrained great reaction there from brock anderson he, he definitely did not know so that he had to be restrained and held back he was barking up a storm so great job there by brock anderson he could have sat by the wayside there but no full full-on emotion which you which you really like to see so great job there by brock all right moving on to our next match penta Pac, and eddie kingston versus the young bucks and brandon cutler don Callis on commentary for this one Cutler brought in the hard way by the Young Bucks to take up the big brunt of the front part of the match and being uh, absolutely destroyed by Penta Pack and Eddie Kingston. Pack still doesn't trust Eddie Kingston and refused to tag him in. Uh, trial by fire to Cutler, who just gets absolutely destroyed. He just he just gets destroyed. Pack tosses Cutler into the Young Bucks corner to force a tag, uh, and the Young Bucks get in control after some funny distractions, uh, tripping over ropes and such, which which were uh, really nice. Kingston enters on a hot tag. Pentagon enters, enters on a hot tag. Cutler keeps getting kicked in the face with the orbital bone injury, uh, which was a, a fun spot. Keep on calling back to that. Penta with a step-up splash onto the outside. Great spot with Kingston and Pac working together finally for a dive to the outside. Uh, Kingston taking the initiative to do so. Uh, spinning back fist by Kingston allows Pac to pin Carter and win. So that dynamic there once again coming into effect. Starting to work together and starting to gain trust. Kingston setting take my hand. I really want you to, to work with me and Pac finally coming around, at least in, in the ending part of this match. A brawl after the match with the Good Brothers entering and Frankie Kazarian entering to save. Kazarian, being known as the Elite Hunter now, has done a great job with that gimmick and that angle. Uh, working towards attacking all those Elite members sort of puts him on the level of the Elite as he continues to attack them week in and week out. Uh, he'll probably get an AEW World Championship title opportunity down the line, and you might yell at me saying, like, Jane, you don't want to see Christian do it, but you want to see Kazarian do it? Yeah, I want to see Kazarian do it, because he's earned it. Because he's earned it. He's been through the ringer with AEW. He's been through it all since the beginning with AEW Frankie Kazarian. Now, he deserves an opportunity somewhere further down the line. You know, I obviously not winning it, 100% not winning it, but an opportunity to have a match for the AEW World Championship against Omega, I could take that any day of the week. Not on a pay-per-view for a main event, 
but a, a special episode of Dynamite. Why not? You know, I think that'll be fine. The Pinnacle speak, and this is the first time after Stadium Stampede. All, all of them cut promos before MJF, including Wardlow, which is very refreshing because we don't really hear him speak that often. Usually he's the one behind MJF and he's the muscle and doesn't really speak that often. He did great! Let him speak more! The, the, the rarity of it probably added more to my mindset when listening to him and really made me focus when he spoke. But he was great compared to everyone else that spoke. Sean Spears, FTR, he blew him out the water! And I think that he needs to get the microphone in his hand a little bit more because he doesn't get to speak often. Obviously behind the best mic in company in MJF, you know. But glad to see it. Glad to see it. Well-deserved uh, speaking opportunity there, there for Warlow. And he does a great job. MJF, uh, the, MJF is able to speak at the end after everyone finishes speaking. MJF denies the match request, claiming that he has nothing to prove to Chris Jericho. Jericho appears on screen... And the inner circle destroys the Pinnacle's limo. A fun segment, and Warlord really shined. It felt like an episode back in the uh, late 1990s for Monday Night Raw, where Stone Cold Steve Austin would destroy one of Vince McMahon's things. And uh, I, I think this was was, was really nice. Uh, th this was a fun a fun segment. You know, it, it was it wasn't nothing more than that. It was a fun segment. We got promos from the people we needed to hear promos from, from the Pinnacle, responding to the Inner Circle from last week. And the Inner Circle got some comeuppance over uh, the Pinnacle for all the extra BS that they had to be put through. So now we've seen uh, the bubbly being sprayed, we've seen the limo being destroyed, we can see a couple more uh, tropes be brought back. But I'm thinking I'm fine with that because we haven't really seen these types of tropes be put on national TV like this in quite some time. WWE hasn't done it in a good amount of time. Where week in and week out they have different types of gimmicks that they do to the heels and stuff like that. So for AEW to do it, it's a fun way to bring it back and beat WWE to the punch if they were planning on bringing that back in sometime soon. But I doubt it. I doubt it. WWE hasn't needed to do that in quite some time. So uh, it's fun to see it. It's fun to see it. Alright, moving on to a championship match. Evo Uno versus Miro for the TNT Championship. Of course, Miro, the champion coming into this one. Miro outplayed early on until suplexed on uh, his head and... So he suplexes Uno on his head and neck, excuse me. Stu Grayson and Alan Angels enter to hype up Uno, but Miro able to chase them away for a brief time being. Rest of the Dark Order enter to hype up Uno, including Negative One. Always great to see him, and it's... it's uh, well, this was pre-recorded. I would say it's a it's a, not a school night Friday night and Wednesday nights are, but this was pre-recorded, so if, I wonder when this was, maybe on a weekend. Miro sent face first into the exposed uh, turnbuckle, but Miro is able to absorb the discet lariat in honor of the late great Brody Lee and locks in the game over to retain the TNT Championship and does it right in front of Negative One, which I thought was great as well. And a fun match. Miro's not going to lose his belt for a long time, so I'm not I'm not worried every time I see him on TV, but I'm glad to see him on TV and be so dominant. Tony Schiavone and Kenny Omega with Don Callis in ring. Callis calls out Jungle Boy, and he calls him a one-hit wonder. Jungle Boy enters, and Omega calls out his previous mic skills, and Omega believes that he's the best on the mic in AEW. I beg to differ. I think he might be one of the worst on the mic in the AEW. When he's not focused on what he wants to say. When he's not focused, he has a really tough time on the mic. But when he's focused, he could be up there, but definitely not the best. There's, you know, MJF, 
Eddie Kingston, a lot of other guys, <laughs> probably uh, DM Britt Baker, you know, the, a lot of other people in this company that, that blow him out the water. Jungle Boy says Omega talks way too much and just, and just turns into a brawl right there. You know, spoke very little, but said a lot. In, in those few words, and turned it into a brawl right away. Uh, the Young Bucks save Omega as that segment ends. And uh, I'm excited to see this Jungle Boy match versus Kenny Omega. Jungle Boy gets his time in the sun. He gets his Omega match, and, you know, he's not going to win, but I call it a day. You know, that, that you know puts him on another level that he previously was not once on. And he, he gets a match that a lot of people don't usually get. Lance Archer versus Chandler Hopkins. If you haven't heard that name, he's been around on, on Dark for a little bit. I believe this was his AEW debut, or his AEW Dynamite debut. Or he hasn't been on AEW Dynamite in quite some time. So you can sort of tell where this match is going with this with it being Lance Archer. Archer wins with a quick squash and leaves. So uh, anyways, <laughs> we'll move on to our next segment, Archer with the quick squash. And it looks like he's going to be around. As I was saying that he might make his way back to New Japan, but it might not be for some time, depending on the contract. Nyla Rose with Vicky Guerrero versus Layla Hirsch. And uh, Vicky Guerrero and, and Nyla Rose put a legit shorty step stool for Hirsch's entrance, which Hirsch uh, takes an exception to. Rose uh, catches Hirsch on a dive to the outside soon after assaulting her. Hirsch connects with a moonsault press. And Hirsch tries for a top rope Herakurana, but Rose reverses it into a top rope powerbomb to win that matchup there. Fun matchup. I love, always love seeing Layla Hirsch. I think she's one of the best female wrestlers in AEW, but uh, she's going to be a little bit of a while until she, we really get her in the uh, title picture, AEW does. So it's going it's to be a while there. And Nyla Rose right now being built up to be the first opponent for uh, Britt Baker and her AEW World Championship. Moving on to the main event, Powerhouse Hobbs and Brian Cage of Team Taz take on Hangman Adam Page and 10 of the Dark Order. Taz on commentary for this one. Back and forth tag team action early. Hobbs trying to uh, cut the ring in half on 10 of the Dark Order. Hook and Ricky Stark join ringside. A 619 from Cage and... Oh my goodness, what a superstar Cage is. He's able to do all these athletic things that you don't really expect a guy of his size, Brian Cage, to be able to do, but he does it. And some may argue, and some old heads may say that, you know, he, should, he shouldn't be doing that. He's supposed to be big, supposed to be a giant. You know, with his size, let him be more powerful in a sense instead of doing all these athletic things. Screw that. Screw that. That's the way the dodo. Forget, forget that mindset. Let him run. Let him let, let him do everything he athletically can. So when it comes to a point where he athletically can't anymore, he's already shown that he, that he had in his tank, and then he could transition into being that type of giant. I feel like that would be a better way for him to go. And a lot of these giants, and a lot of these giant guys can can move it. If they can move in that way, do it. Just do it. Cage is tossed the FTW belt and uses it on ten. Uh, well, he doesn't use it on 10. Let, let me rephrase this because this is a very important part in the main event. The whole point of the, why this match was on, on the main event. Cage is tossed to FTW belt to use on 10. The intent is for him to use it on 10. And uh, he ends up not using it. He tosses the belt away saying that he doesn't want to do it that way. He wants to fight it clean. He wants to win in his own way, not with the way by using the belt. Starks slaps Cage across the face for not using the belt. Both run as Cage chases Starks 
towards uh, the backstage area. The match turns into a two-on-one with Hobbs alone. Paige connects with the Buckshot Lariat to win. And this was on the main event for a reason. Obviously, you look at these names, and yeah, this is a, I, I wouldn't call it a main event caliber match. Well, obviously, with the names there, yeah. It is, but, uh, you know, it, this is not your typical main event type of a matchup here. And uh, you could tell this was the reason why. You're, we're, we're finally starting to see, and we've seen it before, but I think Cage is finally going to be looking to split from Team Taz very, 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 very soon. And uh, it could be coming in a, a few weeks' time. It really could be coming in a few weeks' time. I'm really loving what they're doing with the story with Team Taz as it's coming to an end with, with, with possibly Brian Cage breaking away and doing his own thing. Which could be for the best. It really, really could be for the best for him and his sake. And it's not like they're doing anything bad in Team Taz. I feel like he's sort of been stuck in stagnant water ever since he joined. Uh, he, he's had a couple of TNT title opportunities, but other than that, really haven't seen much from Brian Cage. I really think we could see an AEW championship run, not run, but uh, like a run with Omega, possibly as well so there's a lot of ways that a lot of these guys that that are going to break away from factions or do something next in their career that 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 could be coming very very soon throughout the rest of the summer and then going into the winter the winter whoever makes it to the winter we'll find out who's the winner but the race is now the race has started now who's going to be the next big guy and uh, the race has started and we'll see who's next all right who is the winner of this friday night war i'm going to hand it over to smackdown just because of the ending uh, both endings were very, very, very good. In both episodes of of SmackDown and Dynamite were very good. If I'm going with grades here, I'm going with the SmackDown with a B plus trading toward trending towards an A minus, and I'm going with Dynamite with a B plus as well, trending towards a B. Um, only because of the squash match, didn't really need that for Archer. You could have taken that off. Didn't really need that at all. And the promos from from Pinnacle were, were pretty meh, except Wardlow. He really shined. He really, really shined. Other than that, the whole show as, as a whole was good for AE, AEW. When you look at SmackDown, they're really finally starting to move in the right direction with a lot of a few. And the main reason why they're winning this one here for me, uh, they're moving in direction of how booking should be done in the WWE. Liv Morgan versus Carmella in matches that make sense. And this match, you know, has nothing to do with a championship. You're starting to build up Liv Morgan finally getting her the win. The mid card for the Intercontinental Championship is really, really strong. Montez Ford versus Chad Gable. The Street Profits versus uh, Alpha Academy feuding against each other. They're starting to move in that right direction, which I've been dying to see from WWE. And finally getting getting to do it, uh, WWE on the main roster, I should say. Finally being able to do it over there on SmackDown, at least on this episode, if it can, they can continue this pattern, we're really looking at something really special for SmackDown. We're, we're looking at a new era that, that we can remember for a long, long, long time, where the, the, where the switch finally happened, and we could mark it on this day, on uh, June June 11th. Uh, well, that would be yesterday. Mark it on the June 11th episode of SmackDown, where they finally started booking it in a, a sensible direction. But I'm going to give it a SmackDown here, but AEW put up a really good fight. Really, really good fight. Alright, looking on to our next episode of the Daily DDT Podcast. I'm going to give you my predictions for NXT TakeOver in your house. Get your bookies ready because, you know, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be there for you in this one. Definitely should be a fun pay-per-view. Absolutely stacked, stacked, stacked card. I'm going to give you my predictions. And then after the show airs and everything like that, uh, I'm going to give you my my, uh, takeaways from it as well. Also, 
Tomorrow, I'm going to give you my thoughts on tonight's Against All Odds from Impact Wrestling. So, an absolutely stacked episode of the Daily DDT Podcast, something you're not going to want to miss. So, that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.